Good afternoon and welcome back to Business Shakers. My name is Bronwyn Lundestead and today I'm joined by a very different guest, someone who has a, a huge history to share. To be quite honest, I have a bit of a history that lines in the same way as our guest, but today I'm speaking to Cherie from I Am Cherie. So welcome Cherie and thanks for joining us. Hi Bronwyn, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm really excited to see where it goes and um, we have a very important topic to discuss. Yes, we do. So now the thing is, I need the audience to know, who are you? Sure. So I am Sheree. I am basically a survivor of domestic violence. So I got into a relationship when I was 16 and I stayed in that relationship for 16 years. During that time, I was physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused, financially abused, All the forms of abuse that there is, I suffered and I received. Um, I did leave that relationship, though, uh, six years ago, and now I am an advocate against domestic violence, and I stand up and speak out about my experiences, educate the community on what domestic violence is, uh, and just to raise awareness, really, is what mm-hmm. I do now, turning my bad into something good, really. Okay, so with domestic violence, do you find that this is a common thing that most people go through or is the media just overdone the information on it? I actually believe that the media isn't giving enough information mm-hmm. and isn't exposing it enough. It's The statistics are through the roof. And, you know, they say one in four women are experience, experiencing domestic violence or have experienced domestic violence. Violence, but that's the record, the recorded, and the reported experiences. What about the women who are suffering in silence? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of taboo around domestic violence, so a lot of people are very quiet and don't speak up. So their media is only speaking about what's been seen, really, and being shown, where a lot of it is in silence and in secret. Yeah. So I think it should be sort of um, out there and spoken out about a lot more and then what it actually is so the questions that i'm going to come at you obviously is from a very diverse background because i am going to say that i am a survivor of domestic violence i had it for 13 years um so to talk about this topic uh for me it's something i'm not going to say different because i have spoken about it quite often But I want to know the stigma that comes from being a victim or a survivor of domestic violence. Do you find that this taints anything that you do? When I was in my relationship and I was in silence and I wasn't speaking out, there were things that would really trigger me and I couldn't, you know, um, do. But since I've come out and spoken about it, I really don't guess, I don't really care as to what anybody has to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even know if this really goes along with your question. But being a survivor, that's who I am. It's made me who I am. It's given me my strength. It's made me the person I am today. And through everything I've been through, I am still Cherie, which is why my business is called I Am Cherie, Mm -hmm. because that's who I am. And I've had to deal with, with what it is. You know, sure, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, but that's not who I am only. You know, I'm a mother and I'm an educator and I'm a partner, I'm a sister, I'm all of these things. And what I went through has just made me part of this. It doesn't, I don't think it's really um, changed or tainted me, I guess, in any way. 
Okay, so coming back to that, do you find that uh, it's basically finding yourself again once you, you're out of that situation? I mean, when I say you're out of that situation, I'm going to say it does go for a lot longer than what people actually do think. Just because you leave doesn't mean that you're out of it. Yeah, definitely. It does. You do have to find yourself again, definitely. Um, you know, for 16 years, I, I was who he wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, always giving in, always walking on eggshells, being able to read the room, never being completely okay and hiding myself a lot and always putting on this brave face. And, you know, I was always acting that I, I reckon I can win an Oscar because I'm so <laughs> good at, at acting, you know, when I'm so sad. Like, for example, you know, I could have, um, had a beating in the morning and gone out that afternoon with my family and nobody would have known different because I was so good at covering up, so good at, you know, lying, I guess, yep. is, is what it was. You know, I'm very, and until this day, um, you know, sometimes I, I can lie very quickly mm-hmm. um, when I have to say that, but I think that's just my protection mechanism. It's how I defend myself. Um, and as you said, it's, it does last a lot longer because I've come out of this relationship almost six years ago in September and I still find that I still have moments where I revert back to who I used to be and then there's things that trigger me, Mm -hmm. um, certain words, certain things, but I do, you know, do self-sabotage different certain things because even though I've had so much work, you do just suddenly revert back because you know how to survive, I guess, in that that place you were before mm-hmm. but you know I try really hard to to be better but yeah I, I did actually go away on a spiritual healing journey to try to find myself um, but I do find speaking out about domestic violence and being an advocate it, it has helped me a lot as well all right so with finding yourself and actually putting on that brave face do you find that in your position now with being a voice for domestic violence, that it does actually give you a bit of a, a positive stance that you're able to, even though if you don't have confidence for business owners, they don't have confidence. So being able to put on a face that says you are confident uh, is basically a learned procedure or not say procedure, but a, a, a reaction as opposed to walking in and guessing your way through things. Yeah, Definitely having to have always been brave in that sense I can walk into a room and have that confidence and speak about what I need to speak about because I've had to do that for so long (laughs) so (laughs) I have to ask what actually motivated you to stand up and be a voice because this is something that not many people will do it is it is scary and you do have that that mentality of go well no one's listened to me why are they going to listen to you now so what motivated you yeah definitely well I will say it did take me almost 20 years to get to that point in my life where I could stand up and speak about it um it was I actually went to an event that one of my friends was hosting and it was around that time right white ribbon day (laughs) and you know they were trying to raise funds and an event so I spoke to her and said let's turn your event into a white ribbon event and I will talk. Mm-hmm. So we did that and I got up on the platform. There was about 50 women there. I got on the platform. I couldn't even say the first three lines of my speech without bursting into tears. <laughs> this was the first time in my entire 20 years of being in this that I'd ever spoken out in public wow. to anybody about yeah. it. You know, some of my girlfriends came and 
you know, like they had an idea of what was happening, but they could never confirm it Yeah, because I was so good at hiding it. So, you know, standing there and speaking to these women and letting them know my experiences, but also telling them what the different types of abuse was, you know, and then they're coming up to me at the end of this speech and saying, oh my God, I didn't know this was happened. Thank you for sharing your story. This happened to me when I was younger you know, them being relatable to what I'd been through. And a lot of them had been suffering in silence. A lot of them have had that experience. Mm -hmm. And just, I guess, me standing there and seeing that by me sharing my story, these women knew that they weren't alone, that there was somebody that they knew or that was going through the same thing. And surprisingly, out of these 50 women in this room, I'd say at least 90% of them had experience some form of domestic violence so that to me was like wow I can reach these people you know like not these people sorry these women um who are in this and you know like I I don't and this is not me talking myself up or whatever but I don't feel that I I guess fit into that stigma of what a victim of domestic violence looks like yes you know so I, I like to do my hair, my makeup, I like to look pretty and all of that type of stuff. And a lot of people think that it just happens to certain people. So being able to go out and talk about that to these women, all dressed up and done up, they really felt it was really relatable to them. So I'm going to come back to that comment about the stigma of women who are going through DV or have been through DV because um, I'm very much like you. I will get dressed uh, every time. You either, I'm either in my pajamas, my, my uh, leggings, or I'm dressed. Yeah. Those are the three things that I will always be in. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and I know for myself, when I walk into a room, I will put on a very brave face. And it yeah. doesn't matter what situation I'm in, I will hold it together. And I do find that you do get judged on that. As a woman, we do get judged on that. So the stigma with victims of DV, what have you found that people generally tend to say you can't be a victim of DV because you don't look the role? What is the look? Well, exactly. Like, that's what I want to know. What is the look? You know, because one thing domestic violence does not do is it does not discriminate. That is true. Whoever it wants to, you know, like you, there are, um, for example, you have actresses in Hollywood who have been abused. You have politicians who have been abused. You have the very wealthy people. You have very poor people. You have teachers, police officers, nurses. You have these women who are being abused and you think, well, no, they have good jobs. They have good family homes. They shouldn't be abused. But domestic violence doesn't give a crap about who you are or what you do or how much money you have or how pretty you are. It just mm-hmm. doesn't it just doesn't care. So I've actually had somebody say that to me. Oh, you don't look like the type of person that would be like abused and I said, "Why?" And they said, "Because you you're too pretty, you're too dressed up, you're too like well-mannered to, you know, you hold yourself real well and it's mm-hmm. like, "Well, sorry, but I have been and I was abused for a very long time." You know, and they're like, oh, I, um, that's just so weird. You don't, you, you're not poor. And I'm like, but DV doesn't just discriminate. <laughs> oh, like, I just couldn't understand that someone would just have that, you know, frame of mind just to say because I don't look like what they think I should look like in their head to be a victim of DV. I yep. was just blown away by it. I was like, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 
by standing up now, do you actually find that people are listening? They are paying more attention to the topic of domestic violence and what it is? I do. Um, the only thing I feel, though, is domestic violence only really comes into the spotlight during the month of May when it is the DV, the Domestic Violence Month. Yep. And then when we have the 16 days of WA, I'm based yep. in WA, as are you, and then when there is anything that happens that gets reported in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. I think that they're the only times I feel that DV is really spoken about and out there when this is something that is happening every single day, every minute of the day. So we really need to have and to keep this conversation going. Mm-hmm. And um, social media is is actually really good for me because I do a lot of work on social media with my with my DV, so any jobs that I do, any quotes that come along, any way that I'm feeling, those type of things I put on social media and I share my stories and then that's how I find that I try to keep the conversation going throughout the whole year and not just on those specific times of the yeah. year. Uh, all right, we'll be back after the short break to learn more about fundraising and actually how this helps with DV. Welcome back to Business Shakers, and I am very proud to be speaking to Cherie from I Am Cherie. So, Cherie Lucas, coming back to fundraising, now, this is another topic that I do find um, causes a lot of controversy. Fundraising for domestic violence, is this useful? Is it not useful? What comes out of it? Um, I think with um, fundraising for domestic violence, I think it really depends on, I guess, the organisation that Mm -hmm. you are fundraising for. Um, I am actually an ambassador to a couple of um, domestic violence businesses where, you know, for one of them, um, we fundraise to get household items for women who have left a a house and, you know, we've helped find them a new home. So we're fundraising to be able to get them some new kitchenware, a new bedding, a new bed. That type of fundraising, I think, is really good and important because it helps the person directly. Mm-hmm. It's not going into anybody else's pocket. Yep. It's not going to, not paying for anything. Nobody's third house, or, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. I just, but yeah. It's going straight to the women and children who need it. So I think that type of fundraising is, is really important if there is something that we can physically see mm-hmm. um, the end result. Now, the bigger corporations I can't really speak about because I don't, know where their their funding Mm -hmm. is going to what it's going to but um i guess if it's fundraising to have programs that we can deliver in schools or to workplaces then i think that's really good but the for me personally the fundraising where i can see where my money or my gifts or whatever donations are going i find that's is just closer to me than just giving it to a bigger corporation, yep. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that no, makes sense. So with the education, coming back to the education, because you mentioned that there, do you find that there should be more education about the different types of DV and actually how long it lasts for? So I'm going to say the before, the during and the after because it does happen after <laughs> and nobody yes. really speaks about that. Yeah, I think it needs to be taught in schools 100 million billion percent. Um, <laughs> Because I was 16 when I got into this relationship. So I was still in high school Mm -hmm. and my daughter is going to be 16 this year. 
Wow. You know, so she could potentially, you know, heaven forbid, that get into that same sort of relationship. Um, and I think, I mean, in schools we do have healthy relationship programs which tell us what a healthy relationship is, but we need to know what a not healthy relationship is. We need to mm-hmm. know what emotional abuse is. We need to know what mental abuse is, social abuse, especially these younger children, like generation where there's so much social media. Oh, you know, yeah. like sexual abuse. Um, I I had one young girl come because I sometimes do workshops. Tell me that she had a boyfriend who was always forcing her to do, um, you know, oral things to him, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to. But she didn't know that he was, I guess, sexually abusing her. And she did tell her parents, and her parents said, "Oh, it's okay. That's just what boys are like." That wow. broke my heart. Ouch. No, that's not you okay. <laughs> it is. Not okay. And, like, you know, we have um, health and sex ed in school, but why do we need to know? Okay, I guess we need to know why to put a condom on, but we also need to know what, you know, someone sending nude photos about what that's about, what porn is actually about that, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff because there's been statistics on young men who between 17 and 25 could not get an erection with a girl Mm -hmm. because they had watched so much porn that when the girl wasn't performing the same way as the porn star, it was just doing nothing for them. And this is the time that they're supposed to be the most sexually active. So I think we need to definitely be in in schools and, and educate, but, you know, teaching the next generation how to reach out if somebody's hit you or how not to just suffer in silence. How, mm-hmm. But also teach someone, teach the next generation, if someone comes to you and says, my boyfriend hit me or my boyfriend forced me to do something that I didn't want to do, how to support them as well. Because, it, you know, you need to know these things for yourself, but you also need to know how to support someone if they come to you with these things so uh, yeah definitely a big needs to happen in schools um, on this because we both know that even after you leave it still continues inside of you certain triggers the way you do things but if you have children you need to know that your child you know is okay also and that Mm -hmm. you can break the cycle for them and that you can teach them all those things that what happened in that household was not right, how to mm-hmm. teach them how to love properly and how to have a real decent relationship. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it is true that children do actually see what's going on. They do see, they do hear, they do know. Um, and as far as research is concerned, it does show in research for over periods of time that yeah. children who are in domestic-related families in that household that they will continue into their own version of dv exactly and that is so true because you know you do have like for me on my mum's partner um one of her partners used to beat her Mm -hmm. and you know i stood up to this man and at the age of nine i tried to kill him like i pulled out a knife tried to kill him and then you know a few years down the track here I am in that same relationship even though I knew it was not what it is you just fall into that cycle like I know um, women who witnessed and were abused as a child go into abusive relationships and go into that cycle as well and then I do know men that go into that cycle witnessing you know their father beat their mother or being abused themselves go into that cycle but then there are people who do try really hard to break that cycle 
mm-hmm. as well. So I think as a mum, I'm trying to break that cycle for my my children. But it is very hard, especially if, um, for my son, because you know he he was home a lot with me when it happened, being the youngest. So he yep. witnessed a lot, and it is one of my biggest fears that he becomes, I guess, his father. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that there is a shortage of information available for men who are in DV relationships and there's not as much help for them as what there is for women? As um, abusers or as victims? Victims. Victims. Yeah, there, there definitely um, is a lot more information and a lot more support for women. Um, and I think that is because women are the, um, I don't know how to say it, like women are the I guess great to know that really. Yes, um, are being abused more, but and I definitely know that there are men that are abused, and one of the reasons I don't speak about men is I'm not a man, so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the experience of, of a man. I do actually get asked that a lot. Do you know, like, what about men that are being abused? I'm like, yes, I know that there are men, but I can't speak on something I don't know about. <laughs> like, yes, you know, but I think. Um, you know, but men do obviously suffer probably a lot more in silence than what women do if they are being abused mm-hmm. um, because it's the whole ego, the whole pri- um, ego pride masculinity, I would say, mm-hmm. that, uh, they, that they're trying to protect, um, you know, because when obviously when men, boys are younger, when they cr- they're told not to cry because it doesn't yes. make you a man. Yes. So you carry that through your whole life. And then when you are being abused, you'll just be quiet because, like, a man technically well, isn't supposed to be abused by a woman. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. Now, yeah. I, with the cry wolf topic as well, um, I know there are, are people that do actually mm-hmm. say they have been in DV relationship or they're experiencing DV, but it, in fact they're actually not. Do you think there is a, a large number of people who do cry wolf for the attention? Ooh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say that there is, mm-hmm. but there may be. Yep. One of my biggest things is if somebody tells you they're being abused, you have you need to believe them. <laughs> and the reason I say you need to believe them is I think of all the strength and the courage and how hard it was for me mm-hmm. to say to somebody that he's abusing me how hard that was to say that and like if I had if there was somebody that didn't believe me that would have just crushed me because I would had I worked up that courage to tell somebody Mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing to do to come out and say I'm being abused especially if the person doing it is amazing in everybody else's eyes you Mm -hmm. know like no 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 they would never do that they're perfect oh you guys seem so happy blah 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 so that's why I I kind of say to people if someone comes to you, believe them, mm-hmm. you know, and there will be obviously people who cry wolf, people cry wolf in all different situations of life, not just DV, you know, everything people cry wolf. But I guess I would, it kind of goes like innocent until proven guilty, if that yep. kind of yes. makes sense. Like if you talk to a, this person and you feel that they are just playing that victim role, I think you'll mm-hmm. be able to tell very quickly, I guess, with, with what they're talking about and whether things make sense. But, yeah, I, I never um, say I don't believe you, that that's yep. not who I am. I, I Because I know in myself what I had to do and how much strength and courage it took in me 
So I try to give that back to the person that is saying that to me. Yep, yep. So basically, well, not, I won't say basically, but um, I do know that when I've spoken about it, saying I've gone through DV and this is the experience, that thing of people not believing you, do you find that that is something that is very rife? Because I know with my experience, when I turned on, I said, I'm experiencing this, this has happened. I've, I've had average people to authoritative figures um, who've turned around and said, I don't believe you. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that happens, um, can happen quite a bit actually. And that comes back to what I said about the abuser being so, actually I say they're very smart, (laughs) Um, the abusers, and that is because they, they know how to perform as well. You know, like you go somewhere and, they're amazing to everybody else and they're so loving to you and have a good job and provide and et cetera, et cetera. And I guess they manipulate and brainwash everybody else around you yep. also to make them feel like they are amazing that and that there is no way that they could do that to you. Mm-hmm. So when you do actually say, well, no, he just, you know, threw me up against the wall and tried to strangle me, they would be like, well, no, he doesn't seem like that kind of person because he's such a gentleman and he's so nice and everything. So I think, yeah, the the abusers are very smart in that way that they manipulate everybody around you to get the result that they want so that when you do report it, nobody believes them. Mm-hmm. So standing up and actually having the voice uh from being silenced, making sure that you are being heard, uh, do you find that you get a lot of backlash from that? Because this is a very, very touchy topic. Yeah, I actually find um, when people ask me what I do if I go to networking events and that type of stuff and I said, oh, I'm an advocate against domestic violence and I speak up and I educate, a lot of people kind of pull a face and pull back from me. They're kind of like, I don't know. Like they just don't know. And and that's a reaction that I get quite often actually. Yep. I think um, because it is such a taboo topic like everybody knows it's happening but we're still too scared to speak out about it yep um you know so yeah i forgot what your question was (laughs) i was just wanting to know do you get a lot of backlash from actually having a voice and speaking up yeah i i don't um i don't really get any backlash just those some people who find it quite a bit weird and go funny with me, but I do get a lot of um, encouragement and a lot of women and, and men because, you know, I have done events and men have come up to me after and said, thank you, that that's something like that's happened to me. So I get more encouragement and thank yous and support um, rather than backlash, but it is very difficult for me to still be able to break into, I guess, the market it's not even a market but you know to yeah. break into stuff to to be able to every day be going to a workplace and um you know delivering a speech or delivering a workshop it's still very hard to be able to do that m- more regularly than just 16 days in wa or yeah. white ribbon day that type of stuff yeah 
All right. We'll be back after the short break to learn about a new project that's been done. Welcome back to Business Shakers. And I'm joined by Sheree Lucas from I Am Sheree. So we're talking about domestic violence. And yes, I have a history of domestic violence. I am a survivor of it. And so is Sheree, a very, a very confident, proud woman who has definitely stepped up to take the reins of a topic that most people are afraid to actually talk about, just shoving it under the carpet. So you are doing a new project. So I'll let you tell us about it. Yes. Yeah, so um, I have a very exciting project um, coming out. Very exciting to me. I don't know if it's going to be exciting to anybody else. So um, I am in the middle um, of writing a book. Um, so this book is actually going to have stories of women who have been in domestic violence relationships so it's going to have a part of my story um part of you know your story yeah um and women from across australia's story of what they went through in their relationships um how they got out how they survived in that darkness and and what they hope to you know continue like what they hope for the rest of their life and how they are managing and surviving, living, I'm not going to say surviving, living the mm-hmm. life that they serve out of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. So why why actually have a book about DV? Why, why do a book? Yep, um, because we need to keep this conversation going. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, and it is, and it's, but the book, the book for me is to give other women hope yes that's the main reason that i'm doing this um you know it's every every person has a story to share everybody Mm -hmm. has a story to tell and everybody is the hero of their own story these women and myself and you we went through hell and we've come out and we've survived and we are now sharing our stories whether we're going to put our name to this story or be anonymous we're sharing these stories for women or men who are sitting at home in this abusive relationship right now mm-hmm. who or for women who have left but just find that they still don't know who they are mm-hmm. so this book is to give women and men and whoever reads it the strength and the courage and the hope that they can get out and live this life that they deserve you know that there are women who have been there and have left you know and if i can be an inspiration or any of us can be an inspiration to somebody and just reach one person then that's amazing. That's what I want to do, you know, and, and that's part of the reason why I also talk and give speech. Cause like, I just want to help someone get out or save somebody's life, yep. you know? And, and then if I save just one person's life, just one, then I know that what I went through was completely worth it. Um, you know, just to, I just don't want someone to go through what I went through and to still be suffering years later, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't have the help. So, that's the reason why this book, um, you know, also has a quirky name. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a book that doesn't look like a DV book. So you can sit on the bus and read it. You can sit on the train and read it. But sitting at home and being safe to read it because you know people reading this book, safety is our number one priority still. Yep. You know, we don't want someone to be ashamed to be reading this this book as well yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is very exciting and yes i am contributing a chapter to the book and i'm excited to tell my story but you're mentioning there that going through hell and i always often turned around and i said when people say i'm facing something difficult or or i'm going through a difficult situation the thing that always gives me hope 
is always turn around and go, I lived with the devil. I danced with shadows that no one should ever know. And I came out of that and I'm better for that. So it makes difficult challenges. Exactly. A breeze. Yes. And and, and I agree with you. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like I, I say to, you know, women who have come to me in abuse, they say, I can't, I don't think I can go on or whatever. And they've left the relationship. I always say, you survived your darkest days in hell and you got out. You can survive anything that gets thrown at you from now on yeah. because you were so strong. Then you know you can handle anything. And it's that, you know, that saying, you don't know how strong a woman, well, a woman is like, what is A cup of tea bag. A cup of tea, yes. You don't know how strong it is until you're in hot water or something like that. But it's true. You know, it's like we don't know how strong we are until being strong is the only thing that we can be. Yep. You know, and that's, yeah, definitely. Now, with getting out of DV and obviously with your book, do you find that there are resources available for people to get out or not enough? Um, There are resources um that are available quite easily um i mean you really just have to type something in google um to find it but each state is different i think um the one thing that i i find that there may not be enough resources and are not enough information is what happens after you leave Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, when you're fleeing, you can go to the police, there's women's refuges, there's helplines. But what happens once you've left? Like, Mm -hmm. and you have to start all over again. You know, I walked out of my house with just two suitcases and our important documents and I had an amazing house, you know, and it was full of furniture, full of, and I walked out of that with nothing and I went and slept on my sister's bedroom floor for Mm -hmm. two to three months with just these two suitcases and I just didn't know where to start. I didn't know what, what to do after I'd left. I didn't know how I was going to survive. Um, you know, I didn't have a house. I didn't have a car. I, I didn't have any of my things. So Mm -hmm. um, I was just very fortunate that I have a large family who were able to support me and help me with that. But there are women who have nothing, nobody, you know, you have women who come from different, um, different countries, um, or they can't speak English and have no family and no friends. And unfortunately, because they don't have that and there's no information or resources or help, they end up going back to the abuser uh-huh. because at least they know where they're going to sleep that night, that they're going to eat, that, you know, they're going to have clothes. So I think we really need to focus also on what happens after you leave, yep. you know, because you have your um, caseworkers, your social workers, everything that happened whilst it's happening. Uh-huh. But what, what happens three months down the track when you suddenly fall back into your depression or you suddenly decide, I can't do this anymore, it's too hard, it's just easy to go back, there's nothing after. So I think, yeah, we just need more resources and information for what happens after, after you leave. Yeah, definitely. Now, our show is all about BS and myths associated. What is one of or some of the common myths, the BS myths associated with domestic violence? Yep, definitely. So the one we've already spoke about is the um, stigma. You don't look like the stigma. But one of the biggest ones, and I I actually find this can be um, a little hurtful at times, is 
why don't you just leave? Why doesn't she just leave? And I just think to myself, I say this in my head, I'm just like, shut up. Like, because you don't. I know. It's just like, if you haven't experienced it, you don't know why she cannot leave. You know, there's like, as research has shown, when you want to leave, that is the most dangerous time in an mm-hmm. abusive relationship is the time you want to leave yeah. because there's, you know, chance of being killed yeah. because you're trying the control to leave. is being lost. The control is being lost, exactly. Then at the three-month mark, mm-hmm. you know, there's a percentage, again, of leaving. And at the one-year anniversary is also a percentage of being abused or killed mm-hmm. at that thing. So, you know... It's not just why doesn't she just take her kids and leave? You've got to think about where's she going to go? Like these are things that run through your mind. Where am I going to go? How am I going to feed my children? Uh-huh. You know, are my children going to be taken away? Where am I going to sleep? How am I going to get a job? I've never worked, you know. So he has control of my accounts or everything's in his name. So there's this whole, I guess, thing behind of why a woman cannot just walk out the door. Yep. You know, especially if he's in financial control and he has all the funds and has everything. So when people, yeah, so when people say she should just leave. But I also think of why is the abuser abusing? Mm-hmm. You know, why is he, I, I know I keep saying he, and I, and I do apologize for that, um, but as a female, <laughs> he is what's <laughs> opposite, you know, why, why is he um, throwing her against the wall why is he calling her names mm-hmm. why is he you know and I guess why just why is he being abusive has he had past traumas that he hasn't worked through or was he abused as a child you know there's things like that that you need to think about as well so it's not it doesn't always fall on the victim as to why they don't leave you should also be thinking why is the abuser abusing Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody wants to be abused, you know. So it's just, um, I think those are the two big, the big things for me. Well, that comes to mind at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I find that it's that, easier yeah. to blame the victim than to blame the perpetrator. <sighs> exactly. A hundred percent. And it's just, it's just so annoying. <laughs> like, I get quite <laughs> frustrated at times when I talk about DV it's, and and it sounds really rude and I apologize if I offend anyone, but until you've been in a DV relationship, you can't speculate, you can't assume, you can't be like, well, you know, just go or just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like I think as women who have been in DV relationships, you understand a lot more than somebody who has studied it, Yes, I guess, or somebody who is just has no idea. Mm-hmm. Because in, in, in our world, um, we have people who have been through so much trauma and seen so much and have been abusive relationships. And then you have people who have never, ever been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, you know, it's just how it is. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so for you to go through everything that you've had to go through, what mindset have you had to develop in order to step up and be that voice? A very strong one. Um, you know, I I have not always been like this. I can definitely tell you, you know, um, in the last six years, I've done a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of self-discovery, a lot of self-healing. Um, but I, I find and I believe that, you know, 
this is my purpose. I, I say, you know, to speak out and educate and inform is my purpose. And as I said before, I think of it as, as long, if I can just save that one girl or mm-hmm. from going through what I went through or for saving her life or for another person to go, oh, hang on a second, I remember Sheree saying something about this and it's not mm-hmm. right, so I'm going to leave. That's what I believe in myself. You know, that's what I have hope. So that's how I set my mindset to be able to speak about DV and to do what I do. And don't get me wrong, I have my moments where I just crawl into bed and lie under my blankets because it's just too much, you know. Mm-hmm. And But every day I, I fight with myself every day to still stay in that positivity, to still mm-hmm. focus on what I need to do, to still believe that I am worthy, that I you know, I'm a survivor that I can do this. And that's hard mm-hmm. because when you live so long in darkness, you thrive in darkness, which yep. sounds just like what the, but throw me into chaos and to craziness and watch me bloom. <laughs> really, you know, like I'm the, I'm the person that you will want to have with you if there is an emergency, like, you mm-hmm. know, cause I know how to stay calm. I know how to focus. I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I could go to nightclubs before and sense a fight that was going to happen before the bouncers even knew that it was going to happen and say to them, they're about to have a fight, you know, yep. it's just, and, and that's sad because I've, it's heightened all of those senses. That's always had me living, you know, in that fight mode not even fight or flight mode it's always fight mode mm-hmm. so just those type of things that i i do you know quite, sometimes quite often <laughs> depending <laughs> on my uh, you know so I, I just try to stay positive and focus on what i'm trying to achieve in my life and you know but um when it comes to relationships with the opposite sex that can sometimes still be a bit meh <laughs> it's not anything i can say um, because I just don't know. I'm not used to certain things, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, I was so young when I got into this relationship and I was there for almost my, half of my life. Like mm-hmm. it was half of my life by the time I got out. So when something is unknown, I kind of revert to what the heck? Like, no, you need to no, argue no. with me. You know, it's just yep. like, doesn't this isn't right. Like, you're being weird when all they're doing is being <laughs> loving to me and I just, because I just don't know how to to deal with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's something that I'm working on. <laughs> I, I can definitely agree with you there on that. But coming back to the book, um, yes. what sort of, what, what are the authors getting out of contributing to your book? Yeah, I feel that the authors, and, and do correct me if I'm wrong because you are one of them, <laughs> that it's a way for you to share your story, um, but it's also healing. I feel for a lot of the authors, they want to share their story and they don't know where to start and they don't know how to do it, but they want to share it because they want to help somebody else. And mm-hmm. But they also want to heal themselves because writing is a really good way to write everything down, obviously, because writing, write everything down, but it's releasing everything. It's healing everything, you know, and I think a lot of the authors in this story that they've said to me is just like, I want to share my story because I want to help somebody. Yep. So I think that we all sort of have that same mentality is we just want to help somebody, but also at the same time heal ourselves and let it all out, you know, and 
of course, there are going to be people who always judge you and scrutinize you. But I think with the book is we don't know who those people are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can read my book and tell me that it's crap and that you don't like me or whatever, but I don't know who you are. So I think that that's the thing with this book is we can share our stories and sure there's people going to judge us, but we don't know who they are. So it's kind of a way of just releasing everything, but not kind of having the negativity that comes with it at the same time. I know that you had a very, uh, I'm going to say strategized way of getting the co-authors onto the book. We all had to write up a bit of our story and send it through to you. Um, Why did you have it that way? We had that that way because we kind of wanted to have diversity in our stories, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I read stories and they were stories. Every story touched me definitely, you know, and I know how hard it was for a lot of women to write this, even if it was um, a short paragraph. Some women couldn't even write a paragraph. I had dot points. Yep. You know, so we, we did that so we can get a, a whole variety of different stories. I'm not saying that the women who weren't chosen, that their story wasn't important or good mm-hmm. enough. We just wanted all different stories. And your story to me was very touching because obviously I, I know you personally. <laughs> But so I'll just I'll just cut in there. So to the audience, I met Shuri two, over two years ago now. Yes, a while ago now. It was a course about domestic violence. It was a personal course, um, and that's where our paths crossed. And I just had my my first car crash, and I hobbled in there. <laughs> so much. Yes, better. that's right. And I got yes. pain. I'm here to learn how to better myself. So if anybody wants to know, that's how our paths crossed. Yes. And she's amazing for coming to that course, even though she literally had just walked away from a car accident. Like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, your story to me, it was very, very relatable to things that I'd been through and the things that I wanted to do as well. I'm not yep. going to give away too much. No yep. need to buy the book <laughs> to read our stories. Um, you know, and it was stories that, that touched me in in just ways it's it's very hard to describe but i I do want to say to anybody that is listening to this that did put in their story and wasn't chosen please don't think that your story isn't important enough to share Uh you can still share your story and who knows maybe down the track um if this book is overly successful oh my god i can't even talk um (laughs) we will think about doing doing it again Yep. Um, so I just want to make sure that, yeah, that nobody thinks that their story wasn't good enough or important to share because, as I said earlier, everybody has a story and everybody has the right to share their and tell their story. Yeah, I mean, I know when I did my uh, short little bits, um, I actually cried writing that. I, I couldn't, the tears, I mean, it wasn't me, blurred, like, ugly cry. <laughs> but it was just it was just like automatic tears that just flowed out as I wrote my story because it's raw, it's real. And oh, I gave it to uh, my kids read it. Yes. I gave it to them to read because they were aware of what happened yes. and they saw it for themselves. Um, and the reaction that I got from them is that they were upset. They, they were upset as in they, they remembered what they went through as well. Yeah. And that's it. Um, and I know I gave it to a couple of other people to read and they actually couldn't finish it. They gave it to me and said, I 
can't read this. Yes. So is that yeah. going to be something that people will experience? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Especially if you really resonate with stories. Yes. You know, and especially if you are a victim or a survivor, you will definitely resonate um, with the stories a lot. I'm not saying that if you haven't been there that you're not going to resonate because you're going, the people who read the book that aren't exposed to DV are going to get a better understanding. But, you know, with DV, like, for example, you know, we for we've been through physical abuse. My physical abuse could be different to yours, but we understand mm-hmm. what physical abuse actually is. Yes. Same with emotional even though he may be calling you names every, every day and I only got it once a month, I will still know what it would felt like to be that. So I think having that connection with survivors and DVs, there are going to be times where you need to put the book down and not read it. And same as you said, you were crying when you're writing it. I cried when I was writing mine. Yep. I cried when I was reading submissions. These are submissions from women I don't even know. Yep. And I was crying at them. Some of them I was just like, no, nah, let's just close a laptop and... I need to go away and come back, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. So, yeah, definitely there will be tears. And and it's so funny and it's probably you'll think of me as a weirdo. But (laughs) when I give speeches, I love to see tears in the audience. Yep. And that to me means that I am reaching and connecting with somebody. Mm -hmm. So if I walk away and there is a dry eye, which there never has been, but, (laughs) you know, that to me would be that I didn't, connect with somebody where you know I think having that connection especially on this topic where a lot of people feel alone it's nice to have something in that connection yeah all right we'll be back after the short break uh we want to know more about the book so stay with us all right welcome back to business shakers my name is Bronwyn Ludson and I am joined by Sheree Lucas from I am Sheree okay coming back to this book um it's uh, because we are going over time now, so I'm not phased. No, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a it's a topic that needs to be discussed. That's yes, why. <laughs> yes, it is. So when and where will your book be available? A, an sure. estimate of when the date will be released. And just to our audience, we will be pushing this as well when the book is released. Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, I'm just waiting for all of the authors to submit their um, stories. So like yep. their final chapters and then it will be edited um etc etc and we are hoping to do an official launch with a hard copy of the book in november we haven't got the exact date yet but we would love to have it ready by um 16 days of wa so during those 16 days and we hope to have it launch have a launch party have it available to buy um we will have a you know a link up for pre-orders um i'm gonna shove it in everybody's face (laughs) Uh, you know try to get it as everywhere um as far as possible you know we're going to try to have it on amazon have it on everywhere just um that's our plan to hopefully have it ready no it will be ready um november It'll, it'll probably be ready um and available online before then um, but the print hard copy we hope to have by November, yes. So with this book, what can people expect from reading this book? Yeah, real rawness. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real raw. It's not going to be airy-fairy. It's going to be just written how the authors have written it, how they experienced it, 
um, what they went through, what their hopes and dreams are for their future, how they got through it all. And, you know, it will be, I guess, a book of hope and light and strength mm-hmm. for whoever needs that in their life at that time. Now, you said you do a lot of public speaking education for people. Where can we get hold of you in order for you to come and speak? Yeah, definitely. So I have a few different ways. So you can either contact me um, on my website. I have a Facebook page and I also have an Instagram. So all of them are open to the public. I'm not sure. Yes. They're not private. So, <laughs> um, you can email me, send me a message, send me a text because my number's out there. Um, so that it all just comes under I am Sheree. Okay, so, so what is the website? Yep, so it's www.iamsheree.com.au. And we can find you on Facebook and Instagram as well. I know you just said that. I'm just yep. repeating it. <laughs> yes, yes, yep, no, that's fine. <laughs> and who do you speak to? What sort of audience do you speak to? Is there a limit? Um... Oh, I speak to everybody. And if whoever will listen, and even if they don't listen, I make them listen. <laughs> no. um, so I've done, you know, workshops with girls from 12 to 18 and Mm -hmm. then workshops from you know 18 to 25 and then I've gone into workplaces where you have someone from 19 to 60 so I speak to everybody um because as we know DV doesn't discriminate so I I know somebody who's in her late 60s and um is in a DV relationship currently Mm -hmm. um so you know it's so I just speak to, to everybody. And obviously the, the younger girls, I speak in a different sort of way that I speak to the older people, um, yep. you know, and it depends on the businesses whether they want it to be educational or want me just to share my story. So I cater to each company's or each individual's needs. Okay. And what do you say to somebody who actually says, we want you to speak about DVD, but they have no idea what you're going to talk about because they don't yeah, know. So- yeah, so I usually in that case ask um, how they would like me to deliver what I'm going mm-hmm. to do, whether they want to, you know, so I give them the options, whether you just want me to share my story and I kind of give them a rough guideline of what I'll be talking about or whether you want me to educate your workplace on what DV is, so the different forms of DV, and then I always link in one of my experiences with that. Yeah. So it's really up to the business as to how they would like me to deliver what I have to say, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Do you only speak to females or is it men and women no, that you speak oh, to? I speak to females and men also. Um, when, when I speak to – I've had places where I've spoken to men and – I've had men come up to me and say, oh, as a child I was, this happened to me or in my past relationship this happened and this. And men also say, I've had a couple of men come up to me and say, wow, I actually do this and Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was, which is amazing because for a man to come up to a stranger and tell them that he does that and he didn't realise that it was abuse and wants to change is fantastic. Yep. Because he's actually taking in what I'm wanting to say and, you know, realises that what he's doing is abusive. So I speak to to everybody. And I think a lot of men who have children, especially daughters, really relate to what I'm saying because they think this could actually happen to my daughter. Yep. You know, so we get that connection. And when I speak about my children, I speak about my children in whatever I do, Again, it gets that connection to parents of, Mm -hmm. 
wow, I couldn't imagine this happening to my child. You know, I don't want this to happen to my child. So, yeah, I speak to, to everybody and we find a connection on every and some sort of level. Yep. But then, you know, you do have people who just be like, oh, whatever, like they just don't want to know about it. Yep. And all I can do is say what I have to say and it's up to them if they take in what I say or not. Right, so you deliver it to schools as well? Not yet. Um, <laughs> it is one of my biggest um, goals is to get into a school and to mm-hmm. deliver um, a program. It's just very difficult to break into schools um, just because on the topic that I want to talk about mm-hmm. um, quite hard because you know we need to get parental consent and all of that type of stuff um but i will i know i will (laughs) one day um get into schools you know and and deliver what i have to say because i think if you have like i always believe with speeches and workshops and delivering if you know like if you have somebody who is relatable and has that experience talking about it then people feel it and understand it more than say someone who's just studied Yes, DV and come in because there's no lived experience mm-hmm. with that. So, you know, I could walk into school, um, you know, especially if it was, a, say, for example, an all-girls school, all done up, hair, makeup, heels, cool outfit, blah, 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 and say, yes. okay, I'm here to talk to you about domestic violence because I was abused for this long. Yep. A lot of them are going to be, whoa, you know. Yes. So um, I hope to do that. And my ultimate goal would be to have that program and travel nationwide hopefully COVID is finished (laughs) but travel nationwide and deliver this program to to schools so that we can get the talking and then you know um eventually get other women who have that lived experience know this program and be able to deliver it also yep Yep. that's one of my biggest goals um in the dv sector but as you can imagine the dv sector is very very hard to break into and to get that conversation going yes no i do agree with that and there's so much more that can actually go on afterwards uh, it, it doesn't stop it goes on for a very long time afterwards as well yeah, but the difference does. the difference is is you're out yes and that's that's the main thing is you're out and you know like i i do want to say like yes i i speak about it and some people i have I've actually hang on i remember one of these backlash things now, yeah. <laughs> now that we're talking. um i have had somebody say to me once um i don't think you should speak about your experiences because it's personal and nobody needs to know <laughs> yes that is one. ouch yeah wow yeah so that is one thing that that i i have received um and i for a minute i was like oh maybe maybe they're right maybe i shouldn't speak out about it but then i weighed up everything else of how much i've helped somebody in some way mm-hmm. you know um do it so yeah it's um yes interesting (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to finish things up what is your key message to people and businesses because we are targeting businesses with our show um about domestic violence and victims and survivors of dv yes so my biggest thing i'd say i'll start off with businesses the biggest thing i'd say to businesses is um Get me to come in <laughs> to your workplace to educate your workplace on what domestic violence is and to have an understanding of what domestic violence is, you know, because in a workplace you can imagine how many people are going through this mm-hmm. and coming to work every day 
and working and just suffering in silence. So I think if you have that understanding and education, you can be more supportive and people in that workplace will feel like they can reach out for support and that there are people around them in your workplaces that you can help. But it's, you know, it also gives yeah everybody a better understanding of what DV is and how, you know, you can raise the awareness and keep that conversation going in your workplace, yep. you know, so that. And to people, to women, men, in DV relationships and a suffering in silence, you know, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that we find. We feel that we are alone, but we may be alone in our home, but there are women out there who have been through the same thing as you and have your back and want to support you, you know, and can help you. And I just think we just need to be there for each other and support each other and, you know, like understand like you are so strong in yourself. You can, you can survive this even though it feels like hell you can survive it. Just keep going and don't give up. Like even if it takes you, 10 times to try to get out just don't give up hope you know eventually you will just survive I I I know it sounds so weird to say but just survive because there are people that love you there are people that need you and you can go on and there is light at the end of the tunnel even if right now it feels like it's just a matchstick yep that's you know, burning, that light will get brighter and brighter till you'll need sunglasses because your future will be so bright, you know. Yep, like yep. I, I know sometimes like I say things and then I laugh and joke, but, you know, it's... When you're living just, through it, it's true. Well, that's it. You know, you need to. And I just I just hope that our conversation today um, reaches whoever needs to hear this. So that's what I really hope. And that, you know, even if you don't leave that this has just given you something, some sort of hope and um, I will be your voice for you and you're not in silence and I'll speak up and take the backlash and have my face in the paper or whatever. But, you know, I am the voice for, for those women who can't speak out and for anybody suffering in silence, really. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us today. This is definitely a topic we could go on so much about because it, it, yeah. it is it is a, a current topic. It is important and people do need to actually hear about it. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and letting me speak on your show and everything. It's, um, it's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we are sponsored by Swipe Collective, a social media marketing agency where you have concept management done one swipe at a time. I've said that really badly because I don't have the scripts in front of me. <laughs> so I do apologize. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining me. And remember, stay dedicated because great things take time.